0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fanick, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated.
1: Tech Guide, episode 522. Hello and welcome to the show. Great to have your company once again. Thank you for listening. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Tesla has unveiled its latest product, and it's not a car. Optus still under fire after its catastrophic data breach, and the timely Norton product released months before the Optus debacle. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the new Sonos Sub Mini. Amazon's released a new read and write Kindle along with some new Echo speakers. And Bowers and Wilkins launched these new audiophile quality headphones and we will answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. (laughs) Well, Tesla held its AI day a few days ago, and there was a lot of talk about what was going to be spoken about. The, that's usually a day when they talk about the latest advances in its autonomous driving computers and, and technology. But there was a bit of a tease that uh, there was going to be something else, and it was interesting. The, the tease was a, a pair of robotic hands coming together to form the shape of a heart you know a lot of people do make that little gesture uh, and uh, that's exactly what we got it was a it was a, a interesting event that Tesla normally of course is the manufacturer of EVs and I myself am a am an owner I' am a driver of an e Tesla product and this new Optimus humanoid robot is what we got what it walked out on stage, after a bit of an introduction, but also after the Tesla CEO Elon Musk, he 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 made like an announcement to manage expectations of what of how far they've come. It's only been a year or so since this concept is now into working a working prototype, if you like, and it was a dramatic moment when the the uh, the stage the curtains at the back of the stage opened and there stood this robotic form that was introduced as Optimus. And it walked unassisted to the front of the stage, even gave a wave and uh, uh, made a few other gestures. And I think Tesla said at the time that this was the first, before the robot walked out on stage, uh, they said that this is the first demonstration without any support cables, any kind of assistance so I think that it was, a, it was a huge success considering the fact that the robot didn't fall over. It didn't do anything like that. It, it walked out, waved, and to me looked like it had been in production for years uh, rather than months. Now, the robot is powered by the same system that runs Tesla's autopilot hardware in its cars. So you, it, it's coming from a point of this intelligence. So it's got this, this great computer on board, and obviously, artificial intelligence is is on the agenda for, for for it to make its own decisions and to to think and to to perform tasks. Speaking of which, that, that's kind of the reason why that that's that's Elon Musk's thinking behind this robot is that one day it could carry out and perform all these tasks and even become our friend, and, and he and. Because of, because of that goal, he he obviously wants to make it a, a mass mass production kind of product, and that would would come in at about thirty thousand Australian dollars, which I thought is actually quite cheap when you think about a a, a robotic uh, a humanoid robot that can do these things. Uh, I think the key here for to keep it at that price is that mass production is that he's going to treat this like another like another vehicle that they can set up a factory and pump them out, uh, so that they they're made in bulk and therefore keep the price down. Which which when you think about it, uh, imagine having that a robot, a, a, a person, a robotic humanoid in your home that can do these tasks. The tasks are demonstrated were doing things like carrying boxes and lifting heavy materials and even watering a plant. It could, it could pick up the watering can and walk over and, and, and water the plant. But down the track, the vision is that this is a robot that can do all kinds of things, clean, cook and clean and mow the lawn and care for the elderly and, and even become a companion of sorts down the track as well. The robot itself will weigh 73 kilograms, So you wouldn't want it to fall on you. Uh, And it includes a 2.3 kilowatt hour battery, which is located in its chest. And, of course, there's a computer on board and it looks looks like a human. It's got a head, two arms, two legs, can walk, can do things. Been down the track. Yeah, obviously walking was an achievement. But down the track, Elon Musk says this thing's going to be able to run and jump and do all kinds of things to be very handy around the home. Now the AI day was held uh, a few days ago, as I mentioned, but it was also and um, Tesla is quite open about this. It wants to attract engineers to the company, so some talent to, to help speed up the development process for Optimus. So this is uh, this is a, a project that needs an entire team to develop, and they're hoping that this this little demonstration. Will inspire people to come and work for the company that may have some interest in this field, and uh, and and go to work. Now, uh, as the uh, Musk was mentioning during the whole proceedings, was that it's one thing to have a robot, but it's also, of course, it's another thing to have artificial intelligence to have to give it a brain to be able to, to perform things and make some of the, of its own decisions and I think he even joked about this is not going to be like a Terminator situation where you know Skynet and they're going to become self-aware and take over the world uh he 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 went on record to say that Tesla's a public company and if you don't like how this is going you can sack me so um yeah it's uh that that's that's the that's what he said as a as a safeguard I guess to him becoming this mad scientist I'm not I'm not sure how he meant that to be but yeah, I think it's interesting move in in the in the a direction that we we all imagined having this this sort of thing in our lives. We've seen him in countless movies, and, and having a a robot to perform those menial tasks in life to be your friend is uh, something that is could potentially from this from this uh, announcement of the of Optimus could could easily turn into something that it becomes a part of our daily lives something that we take for granted maybe in 20, 30 years time, but for the moment it is all pretty new, but it's still exciting. And the potential there is, uh, is huge. And hopefully they'll have uh, some assistance, get some engineers on board to develop this sooner rather than later. But for, for $30,000, I hope that price doesn't go up in the future. 30,000 bucks. It's, I think that's quite reasonable. And, uh, depending on when they come out, of course, in the future. We'll see if that price ticks to, uh, to that uh, amount. We'll, uh I would seriously, if it's at that price right now, I would seriously consider getting one. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to see about that. But if you want to find out more and see what it looks like, the, the new Tesla product, the Optimus uh, Humanoid Robot, there's some pictures uh, at techguide.com.au.
0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec.
1: Now let's get back to news on Optus, and it's been, uh, I'd say, nothing short of a disastrous week for the company. They have uh, not been quite forthcoming in terms of informing me and the media about what's going on. They've been, they've, they've circled the wagons uh, and not been as open and transparent as we would like them to be. Yet uh, they have just announced that it will that they will commission Deloitte. So this is the international professional services firm, Deloitte. They've commissioned Deloitte to perform an independent external examination of the data breach. This was a recommendation from Optus CEO Kelly Bayer-Rosmarin, who was supported unanimously by the Singtel board. I'd say... Personally, I think it was the other way around. I think the board probably recommended this, and um, Ms. is Bayer Rosemar and put a name to it. But I'm um, uh, stand to be co- love to be corrected, and if Optus even wanted to reach out, they haven't done so all week or since it happened. No, no one word from Optus Media. I've done 400 interviews about this thing. I'm communicating more with Optus customers than Optus uh, are themselves. So uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys, but. This is an interesting move, and it comes a day after, though, the, that, a day after Optus was accused by the Australian government of being uncooperative, can you believe? So they want the government's been trying to reach out to get some answers and to try to get them in to, to talk about something helping these affected customers – and I think the Minister Bill Shorten came out and gave and, and them both barrels. said, look, you know this is you can't just run this in third gear. you've got to help us, You got to help us help you. And Optus was not quite forthcoming yet a day later, here they are there out with news that they're going to bring in outside help to run this forensic examination of the cyber attack. It's going to include a look at its security systems, its controls and all its processes. And uh, it it actually mirrors what Samsung did. I wrote a piece on Tech Guide the other day about how Optus, how terrible Optus have been, and how they should take a leaf out of Samsung's book. Now you recall back in 2016 when the Galaxy Note 7 dramas were happening. This was a brand new smartphone. I I was at the launch in New York and reviewed the phone and it was at the time probably the best smartphone I'd ever seen and was uh, so popular and so hyped up that I've never before heard from so many Apple users who thought, right, that's it, I'm switching to the Note 7. But unfortunately, the Note 7 had its own dramas, it had a battery issue that caused it to overheat and in some cases explode. And Samsung had to not only recall the product, but also then discontinue the product a few months later. Now, it got to a point where uh, Samsung had to well, – the, the, you weren't allowed on a plane with a Note 7. There were notes at airports. Samsung had tables at airports to collect Note 7s before, before if passengers happened to have one. They'd give them a replacement phone on the spot. So as embarrassing as that was, Samsung – took their medicine, were open and transparent about the whole situation. And I remember at the time, Samsung, I was talking to them every day. Commun- they were communicating with me. I was uh, They were answering my calls. And that's how it should be. And we saw how that turned out. Samsung got through that brilliantly. Someone should write a textbook on crisis management and Samsung would be the star of that book. Now, Optus uh, have not really done, have been as open and transparent as Samsung were. But they have, though. The call for an independent inquiry is exactly what Samsung did. So they are kind of taking a leaf out of the book here. At the time, Samsung appointed two independent investigators to run alongside its its own investigations and to come up with why the, the phones were, were uh, the batteries were playing up and exploding. And they all ended up coming up with all the same, the same conclusion. So I'm really interested to see what Deloitte comes up with and the fact that they're independent and that they can tell it like it is, that is a step in the right direction for the open and the openness and transparency that we've been crying out for, for the past week and a half. It's been a struggle for Optus customers. Optus customers are in a panic because a lot of them have had their details exposed and not just their email addresses. We're talking licenses, passport numbers, Medicare card numbers, all the right ingredients to give for your identity to be, identity to be stolen. Optus have come forward with a 12 month subscription to Equifax to cre- check your credit score, uh, but little else. And they're, they're sending out these cryptic text messages and it's just a, it could be handled so much better. They did come out on Saturday morning with uh, full-page ads in, in major newspapers around Australia, basically an apology ad to say, look, we're sorry, we're, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And uh, it, it's also reflected on their on their website. If you go to the Optus website, you'll see at the very top of the page, it says, we're deeply sorry. The cyber attack has happened on our watch, and we're working to prevent any harm to our customers. Stay informed. Uh, on on all the latest information, and they've got like a, they've got their updates on what people can do on their if you've had your Medicare card expo, driver's license number, and it's, yeah, the Equifax Protect uh, the the subscription there. So there there is information on the Optus site. They, they, you, you're not going to get any uh, emails or text messages with links in them. They they have said that when they're going to avoid that. Because they didn't want people to think that was a scam, because that's what a scammer would do. They would have seen this this situation and thought, right, let's jump in and pretend we're Optus and see if we can get even more money out of these people. They've they've chosen not to do that, which is it kind of makes sense. But it, it's uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a, a trickle of information rather than them fronting the media every single day. If if I was if I was in charge of Optus, I'd have this Optus CEO uh, Kelly Bayer Rosemarin on TV every day, just like it was just like Gladys Berejiklian when she was New South Wales premier every day during COVID, she got up in front of the cameras and answered every single question and gave every detail. And that was, that was what, what we wanted. I would have done the exact same thing. I would have had her talking to the media or in front of a camera every single day, just to show that she hasn't, it's not all care, no care, all care and no responsibility would love to see something a little more a bit more uh, frequent from Optus to get on top of uh, this this major crisis that they're going to take some time to recover from. This is a massive dent to their reputation. I know that there are a lot of customers are, are leaving in, in droves the company to take their business elsewhere. so they've got a lot of work to do here and hopefully they'll uh, it'll be all done sooner rather than later. If you want to find out more about the latest on Optus, you can head over to techguide.com. Now, some months ago, we did speak about a Norton, a uh, new Norton product. Now, Norton, as you all know, are one of the sponsors, one of the long-standing sponsors of the Tech Guide podcast. So I just want to just put that out there just so you're I'm completely transparent about this whole thing. But they have a product that they announced back in June called Norton 360 Advanced. Now Internet Security Software, Norton Make It, Trend Micro, McAfee, you name it, they're all, they've all got, there's all versions of internet security software. And the, in the in Norton's case, it includes the a VPN, a password manager, and many other features but in this the latest this latest product that was released back in June is called Norton 360 Advanced and at the heart of it was basically it's an insurance policy against identity theft now we've just finished talking about Optus and the data that was re- that was released in that in that hack and how they can all be used as points of identification to get a credit card or to take out a loan or a phone number or all these things months earlier Norton released this this product which is a policy it's basically an insurance policy to cover customers with up to $58,000 of losses and expenses associated with identity theft now if you had have taken out this if you had a Purchase this plan, it's $257. So it's not only internet security, it is like an insurance policy. And this drama with Optus had have happened to you, they would help you, they would cover you and up with up to $58,000 of insurance for any losses and expenses associated with that identity theft. And the thing with identity theft too, is that no one rings you to tell you what's happening. It happens often without your knowledge. That's the frightening thing. Now, according to the Australian Institute of Criminology and Scam Watch, becoming a cybercrime victim is more common than robbery, motor vehicle theft, and a break-in. There's one in four Australians affected by cybercrime, and that number's probably going to go up after this Optus debacle. But it... It occurs when they have your personally identifiable information. So like your license number, like your Medicare card, like your passport number, and then that's used to apply for credit cards, to make unauthorized credit card purchases, take over existing accounts, create new accounts and loans as well. Now, the thing with identity theft is it's alarming to know that it's happened, but what do you do? And that's where this this package comes in. The Norton Package, uh, it has the coverage not only to, to pay out the obligation to pay cover. So there's $25,000 to cover the unauthorized bank, credit card and loan accounts in your name. There's also $5,000 for miscellaneous expenses, $25,000 in legal expenses, and up to $3,000 for lost income cover as well. And not only does it help you get all that sorted, but it also, there's a process to get your identity back again. That's the other thing where losing it is, is disastrous, but how do you get it back again without it occurring? And for people to believe that you are who you say you are, and that's part of Norton 360 Advance as well. They have, they help, uh, they've got third, they've got agencies on call that can help restore your identity. So identity restoration specialists. They're on call seven days a week to help get through and resolve these identity theft issues. So look, it's I think people should now consider this type of cover, like their house insurance, their car insurance, and this is your this is kind of a form of your everyday life insurance or identity insurance which uh, will, will, will give you some peace of mind. They also have things like dark web monitoring. So in the case of the, the Optus hack, a lot, of that's, a lot of the info was shopped around the dark web. Now, with a product like this, and the current Norton 360 does this as well, the dark web monitoring, if any of your details appear on the dark web, you'll know. They'll tell you that this, is, uh, this password's appeared or this email address has appeared. So you know. There's even social media monitoring with the new Norton 360 Advanced as well. So that if you if there are people sniffing around your, your social media accounts, you'll, you'll be notified there as well. So if there's any suspicious activity on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, you'll get notified as well. So this all-around protection is there. Norton 360 Advanced. If you want to find out more, you can check it out at techguide.com.au.
0: Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick.
1: The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. If your home demands superior Wi-Fi, treat it with a masterpiece in connectivity. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6E from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6E is the first and only Wi-Fi 6 quad-band whole-home mesh system, opening an exclusive all-new 6 gigahertz superhighway that's fine-tuned to deliver unprecedented Wi-Fi speeds and smoother streaming simultaneously across the smart homes of today and tomorrow. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Wi-Fi 6E, the fastest Wi-Fi ever. Find out more at netgear.com.au forward slash best Wi-Fi.
0: And now a tech guide review with Stephen Fennick.
1: Kicking off the reviews for this week is a Sonos product, the Sonos Sub Mini. Now you Sonos fans, and I'm one of them, You'll be really pleased to hear about this one because if you have a Sonos Ray, a Sonos Beam, or a Sonos Arc soundbar, then you have a more affordable sub to add to your soundbar. Now, the sub is a subwoofer, so it adds that nice low, low frequency bass response, you know, adds the thump to the explosions and footsteps and you name it, your music, and the Sub Mini is a smaller version. They've got a Sub already that's quite big. It looks like a – it's a big square. It looks like a big zero. It looks like there's a gap in the middle because it has the opposing woofers so that they're opposing for a reason so that helps uh, get rid of any distortion. The Sub Mini has a similar design but it is cylindrical instead of square but it still inherits that same technology with the dual opposing woofers. So you can actually see them through the oval shape opening on the front and the back of the unit. But uh, this can link to your existing soundbar, but without taking up too much space. That's what I like about The Sub Mini is just 30.5 centimetres tall. It's got a 23 centimetre diameter and it weighs 6.35 kilos. So uh, not too big, not not too big a footprint, and you know what? It actually looks quite nice. So it wouldn't be out of place in your lounge room, a bedroom, uh, you know, your media room. So it, it is pretty smart. Now it's really easy to connect, of course, as are all Sonos products. You go through the app; it'll recognise it. Recognise our what so we we connected to our Sonos Beam soundbar which is the Gen 2 beam, and it recognized that was already on the system, but then it sort of, hang on, there's a a new sub here, sub minis here. And interestingly, setting it up, there's a new process. So rather than you scanning a QR code or typing in a number or whatever, you scan the top of the sub mini like you're making a a payment with your iPhone. So it's like a tap and go payment. So that's using the NFC there near field communication and all the necessary info and everything else is all then uploaded to the, to the app, uh, and linked then to your account, to your system. And away you go. It took minutes to, to add it. That, that's why a lot of people, you know, things like the serial number, all that information was all uploaded just by tapping on the top of the, of the unit, just like you're making a payment. Uh, so yeah, that that was, uh, that helped the process. Now, when connected, I've got to say it did add some nice punch. Like we were watching Jurassic Park, you know that scene where the T Rexes are coming, the T Rex comes out of the pen, and you hear the footsteps, and the yeah, that was really nice. But also, of course, we had to watch some Star Wars on it as well, and uh, the booming battles were quite good. And we listened to some music we, we uh, put in a bit of uh, the 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 song that stood out for me. That's got a really nice bass line. Is uh, another one bites the dust. Queen, uh, that iconic track. And that sounded brilliant when when hearing it through the sub mini and the Sonos Beam. Now, where we set up our uh, the Sonos the sub mini for our review, it's kind of a larger open area, and the sub was good, but it was a little bit lost in space. It was, I think, too much room for it to handle. I think this sub mini is suitable for a more enclosed space or smaller space. So if you've got this really big open area that you're watching uh, that you want to use the Sub Mini, then it'll work. You'll hear the bass, but it's not as good as, as what you would like it to be. Well, not as good as I would like it to be. And for that reason, I think if you, are, if you, are, have, a, if you have a larger area than the Sub, which is the full-size Sub, which is nearly twice the price, but much bigger and more powerful and more, more authority to it, that would probably suit your needs better than the Sub Mini. The sub mini works great in smaller spaces, like you're in an apartment, bedroom, small room. It works brilliantly. And the other thing, too, that makes it even better is TruePlay. TruePlay is the part of the, the iOS app that allows you to scan the room and optimize it for the room. So you can, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't work with Android yet. Uh, that's strange. But it allowed, it does it did make it sound a little bit better. Getting the 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 cooperation between the beam uh, soundbar and the sub mini, it did sound a little bit smoother. Um, so, well, one thing that would have been great too, but you can't do this for some reason, would be to have two sub minis. Imagine having a double. Like in my home theater, I I've got two subwoofers in my home theater, but Sonos don't want you to have two sub minis with their or subs with the, with their systems. That would have solved the problem. Two of these instead of one big one, I guess. But being non-directional, you can put it anywhere, so uh, you you get the same response. But yeah, as I said, the much bigger areas. If you've got a big open-plan lounge room, and that's kind of the sort of way we live in Australia, where there's a lot of open areas in these in these uh, in our homes where we watch our uh, and to consume our entertainment, then yeah, it might sound a little bit lost, though. But if you've got a dedicated media room. Or a smaller room, lounge room, then it's going to work a treat. It is. Uh, it does work hand in hand beautifully with the with whatever sub, whatever sound bar you happen to have. The, obviously, the, the the Arc is the best, the best uh, sound bar, and the Beam though is pretty handy also. And even the Ray, if you got a little little room, the sub will add a nice little punch to the Ray as well, the Sonos Ray. So yeah, I think uh, pretty good in a small space. Larger space, it'll still work. You'll still hear it and appreciate it, but. I think you'll sort of probably be better served with the full-size Sub. The Sonos Sub Mini is priced at $699, uh, but the full-size Sub is 1099 bucks. Not quite twice the price, but, yeah, nearly there. But, uh, yeah, if you have a larger space, I'd recommend skip the Mini, go all the way. If you've got a smaller space and, you know, you don't want to play it too loud, the Sub Mini will definitely do the trick. It's a, it's a nice-looking unit, too. The, uh, the, it really fits into any kind of decor. The Sonos Sub Mini. Check out our full review at techguide.com.au. Amazon have revealed some new products. They've got the new Kindle Scribe for reading and writing. But they've also got, and we'll start with, the improved Echo. Speakers now, Echo smart speakers. I've got to say, we're an Alexa family here. We've got lots of speakers. I've got the Alexa, the Echo Show, the 15 inch on my wall. I'm looking at it right now, so it's like a framed uh, it's a like a framed screen that uh, has all my info. I can talk to it. But the other most popular uh, speakers in the Echo range are the dot speakers, and they're those uh, the spherical looking speakers, the Echo Dot and Echo Dot with clock and that means you can see the time these have been re-engineered they look the same but they've been redesigned on the inside to offer better audio quality now what they've got is a custom full range driver to deliver clearer vocals double the bass response uh, but all contained still in that same spherical form factor which has proven to be quite popular the speakers also have new sensors that make it, uh, that offer a more contextual Alexa experience. So they can they can be even more intuitive, sort of have a, a greater smart home functionality. So they'll cooperate with other products and uh, a little bit better. For example, you can ask Alexa to turn on a fan when it gets to a certain temperature. So it'll know the temperature. And because you've told it to turn on at the certain temperature, it'll do that for you. So that, that's kind of taken it a step further. Um, there's also a new accelerometer that that's added tap gesture control. So you can touch the top of the speaker to pause and resume the music. Um, echo dot with clock has all those exact same features, but it has the clock and led display on the side and it's got high density dot technology. So you get a more vibrant, uh, numbers and digits on the front. Uh, and makes it easier to read read as well. But as well as uh, seeing the time, Echo Dot with Clock now can display song titles and artist names, the weather, the result of a calculation. If you've asked Alexa to perform a calculation as well, uh, so yeah, that's pretty pretty good result right there. The and they're still cheap too. The Echo Dot fifth generation is going to be available from October twenty. It's going to be seventy nine bucks. Echo Dot with Clock ninety nine bucks. That's pretty good. If you if you have not yet bought a smart speaker, I would recommend these, these products. They are a really good entry into uh, having a smart home. I do recommend to a lot of people on the radio, they say, oh, look, we, we need a new digital radio. We don't know what to buy. I always recommend for them to buy a smart speaker because you can just ask for it to play any radio station and it will, including uh, Alexa, these Alexa Echo speakers. So I think definitely worth a look. Now, let's move on to the Kindle. And uh, again, I'm a fan here. I've been using Kindles for many years. And the Kindles that we normally talk about are the little six-inch uh, Kindle screens that allow you to read your books and, and all of that on a really paper-like screen. That's, uh, their display is actually called paper white display because it looks and feels like paper. Really sharp letters, so uh, really easy to read, not hard on your eyes. Well, now Kindle Scribe is has a 10.2 inch display, 300 PPI, so that's p- pixels per inch. So it's sharp as sharp as anything. So you can it's like reading actual paper, uh, and also includes a pen now, of course, for the writing. And the pen will never need recharging; it's always there. Now the the scribe's front lit display is glare free. And not only does it look like uh, it feels like you're reading paper, but when you're writing, it also feels like you're writing on paper as well. So it gives you that same sort of tactile feel of writing on a screen. The Scribe device is 5.8 millimeters and includes the pen, which attaches magnetically to the side of the device. There's a basic or premium pen you can choose from. So to get the precise writing and responsive writing, I think the premium pen has a dedicated eraser on top and a customizable shortcut button as well. So you think about, well, why would I need to write on a Kindle? Well, you think about it. There's a lot of people I know that love to read with a highlighter in their hand. So you can have that functionality. I think a lot of students may be reading and studying text that they need to write notes in margins and stuff like that. And for someone who just needs to take notes, there's a lot of people who they, they like that tactile feel of writing lists and crossing stuff off lists and, and taking notes and having that information at their fingertips. Well, now with Kindle Scribe and the pen, you can do just that. So it's kind of two birds, one stone, reading all your books. And don't forget, it's a, it connects you to the store. So you can download any book within seconds that you want to. And now has the pen for you to be able to write on. And with that larger screen, 10.2 inches, Definitely going to be attractive to customers, and I think there's a and I actually bought one myself. The remarkable tablet is has been very popular in the market. That's like five hundred dollar tablet that is can be used also to read and write, uh, and but doesn't include a pen. A pen is separate, so it's quite expensive. The Kindle Scribe, though not too cheap, or either it starts from 549 bucks. It's going to be available from the at the end of November, and it's going to have 16 gigabyte, 32, and 64 gigabyte variants. So, 549 is obviously 16 gig with the normal pen, but if you want to get the premium pen, more memory, the price is going to go up well into the 600s, if not the 700s. Uh, So keep an eye out for that. I think pre-orders are being taken now, but not going to be available. It doesn't actually go on sale till November 30. Kindle fans, check that out, and Echo fans too, the speakers too. They're excellent. Check them all out at techguide.com.au. Now, we love a good pair of headphones. And I can remember recently we, we reviewed the Bowers and Wilkins uh, PX7 S2s, which were, you know, $600 headphones that were brilliant. Amazing audio, amazing noise cancellation, and across the board, very popular, and among my go-to headphones that I listen to and when I, that I travel with as well. Well, now Bowers and Wilkins has just launched its new PX8 flagship wireless headphones which they say sets a reference new reference standards for sound and build quality uh in the active noise cancelling wireless headphone market and i believe them i haven't heard these um this is just an announcement that i put on tech guide but this is uh they're all new bespoke ultra high resolution carbon cones uh, on board angled within the ear cup to get lower distortion, reference audio quality resolution. Um, They're made from uh, pretty premium material as well. So there's die-cast aluminium, diamond-cut bright metal detailing, Nappa leather on the ear cups and the headband, uh, has the same active uh, noise-cancelling wireless platform that the PX7S2 has. But in terms of detail, resolution, scale of audio – That goes to new heights thanks to the new 40 millimeter carbon cone drive units that are on board. Now these, the units were inspired by the same units that were used in the Bowers and Wilkins 700 series loudspeaker range. So they've sort of transformed them for the headphones. They offer the same combination of fast response, low distortion throughout the entire frequency range. So for audiophiles, this is like uh, pretty big news. The, the quality you're getting as a result will take the standard set by the PX7S2 and, and take it even further. So if you think the PX7S2, and I I thought they were fantastic, I cannot wait to hear the PX8s. They're going to be available in two finishes, black leather or tan leather. That's what I like about the Bowers and Wilkins headphones. They look great as well. They sound amazing but also look very stylish. Some detail there, beautifully made, beautiful leather work. Uh, the metal, it's all really classy stuff. Under the hood, the PX8 uses Qualcomm's APTX adaptive wireless technology. So you're getting you're getting the highest quality connection there. Uh, and that's important because we're streaming stuff now. This is wireless, don't forget. So to get quality from wireless is very important from an audio file. The audio file will not hesitate to connect the cable to make it sound better. But in this instance, the wireless is high quality. So you're getting that, that great audio. There are six high-performance microphones that work together to measure the output of each driver unit, two to react to ambient noise, two to supply voice clarity with enhanced noise suppression. Uh, the, on the earcup, there are physical controls as well, so easy to navigate your music without having to touch your device. Now, battery-wise, you're getting 30 hours of playback on a full charge, while if you get a 15-minute recharge, that'll give you enough power, would you believe, for seven hours of listening. Can you believe that? Seven hours in fifteen minutes. Now, to uh, the, to coincide with the launch of the uh, the new PX8 headphones, Bowers and Wilkins have also upgraded the music app. Now, with the new app, users will be able to stream their chosen music service, including the high resolution services. Uh, there'll be support for Deezer, QBuzz, and Tidal uh, from the get go. So this is pretty big news. If you're an audiophile, this is exciting stuff. This is like grand final week for audiophiles. The premium Bowers and Wilkins PX8 headphones—they're not going to go on sale till uh, in mid October, I'm hearing—and they're going to be priced at one thousand one hundred and forty-nine bucks. So these are the absolute top of the line premium Bowers and Wilkins headphones that uh, I think audiophiles will not blink when they pay that kind of money to get their hands on these things. If you want to find out more, you can see our story at techguide.com.au. You're
0: listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec.
1: The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family and your devices safe online. The dark web is an underground part of the web that isn't searchable from regular search engines. It's where cyber criminals buy and sell illicit items and stolen personal information like bank account details, Medicare card numbers, home addresses, credit card information, passport numbers and much more. Norton 360 Premium includes dark web monitoring which searches the dark web markets for your personal details and if it's discovered, they will notify you. Norton 360 Premium has multiple layers of protection for your devices, online privacy like a secure VPN and dark web monitoring all in a single solution with real-time threat protection to help protect you and your devices from existing and emerging online threats. There's parental control to help manage your kids' online time, school time to manage your child's remote learning, a password manager to generate, store, and manage your passwords and other credentials more securely. There's SafeCam for PC and SMS security as well. Norton 360 Premium for PCs, Macs, smartphones, or tablets is available online at au.norton.com or an electrical retailer.
0: All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk.
1: the tech guide help desk brought to you by belkin belkin the with the iphone 14 being launched belkin have got all kinds of accessories mag safe products chargers because you don't get a charger in the box anymore buy one of their gan chargers much much gives you a really fast charge so check all that stuff out any kind of accessory you need go to belkin.com forward slash au now in this week's help desk we're talking about 3g and people think well 3G, is that still around? Well, it is actually. Vodafone and TPG, well, TPG owns Vodafone, TPG Telecom. They've announced their 3G networks are shutting down at the end of 2023. Now, why is this important? Is It's important because, A, you need to know uh, they're moving the 3G network. So that, that spectrum is now going to help boost their 4G and 5G networks. Uh, but but at the end of 2023, December 2023, is when 3G is going to be switched off for Vodafone. But that also affects customers who are on the IINET, who are on IINET, Internode, Labara, Kogan, Felix, just to name a few, because they use the Vodafone network as well, as including the 3G part. Now, when the 3G part shuts down, everything will automatically carry over to 4G. But if you've got a 3G device... And not many people carrying three G phones nowadays, but there are other medical products that are on the three G network. So alarms, little those you know those the the call call pendants and stuff like that. Medical devices they still run on three G. So if you do have those, or maybe your grandparents or parents or people you know have them, uh, and they're on Vodafone, you've got plenty of time. End of next year, but I think it's an idea to visit uh, to assess what you need to do to transition away from 3G. That's the biggest reason I'm talking about this is because there are a surprising number of people who still have these 3G medical devices that are connected via 3G and uh, they need to know that they need to be upgraded because this is going to be switched off at the end of December in 2023. So you've got a year and a bit to go. Uh, and look, there's only 1% of the mobile traffic is carried on the 3G network. 4G accounts for 86% of total mobile traffic on the Vodafone networks. 5G makes up 13.5%, but that's growing. Now, uh, once the 3G network shut down, it'll carry over to 4G or Wi-Fi calling for more recent smartphones that have that feature as well. Just thought you'd like to know, 3G on its way out if you're a Vodafone customer or a Kogan, Labara, iinet internode felix if you're one of those two then yeah your uh, 3g network is uh, going to go the way of the dodo at the end of next year but you've got plenty of time to do something about it and that is full time for tech guide episode 522 thank you very much for listening through to the end If you need to find out anything that we've spoken about, everything that we have talked about on the show is available for you to look at at techguide.com.au, and we'd love to hear from you, so feel free to get in touch. Send us an email, info at techguide.com.au, or easier, click the Ask Stephen icon, and that will get an email to me as well. We want to give a special mention, to to our great sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. More important today than ever before. Please support the great sponsors who support the Tech Guide podcast. Thank you once again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.